Welcome to Dub Nation, the official show of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. I'm Jeremy Jordan alongside Banksy. The offseason is upon us. We're in the every other week mode now. But Banksy, gosh, we still have stuff to talk about. There's still rugby being played in the major leagues, and we've got ourselves a grand final, y'all. Yes, we do. We will talk about the Major League Final, which is on the rundown, including Paul Asike and Paul Mullen. The Pauls, they should start a podcast. They made the Eagles 30-man uh, summer series roster, with, uh, which is exciting. They're trying to qualify for the Rugby World Cup. We'll talk about that in a moment. Tomasi Tonga and Lance Williams with the Falcons, kind of that second squad. We'll talk about that as well. The aforementioned final between Seattle and New York. We wish the Warriors were in it, perhaps next year. Some notable numbers from 2022. And the fan award nominees. There's some great uh, fan awards that we will discuss, and we differ on a few of these. Uh, we'll walk through those. But first, as mentioned, the Pauls, Lasika and Mullen, make the 30-man USA Eagle squad. Pretty cool to see them rep uh, Banksy, which is awesome. There could have been more guys. Michael Basket, former Utah Warrior, on there as well. Good to see him at Scrum Half. So congrats to those guys on making it. This squad was a, a lot of flashbacks. I mean, guys like Samu Manoa making the 30-man squad as well. So, you know, you're almost kind of looking at a past World Cup cycle with some of these guys that have returned to form. And a lot of that is because of how they've played through Major League Rugby after coming back from Europe. I mean, Paulie's one after coming back from Quinns and Samu as well, who's uh, really kind of found his place in Seattle and now playing for a grand final and he'll get another cap. They're going to be uh, competing July 1st in Houston against the French Barbarians in a friendly. And then the big one is July 16th in Glendale, Colorado against Chile to tr try and qualify for the Rugby World Cup. This is a big deal, and it's going to be fun to see these guys, obviously, in the red, white, and blue. But that July 16th match has massive importance for USA Rugby, obviously. Well, I mean, having just gotten awarded the World Cup, you know, you want to see a future host nation at least make the current World Cup rounds, and Chile's no rollover. So I think they've got a little bit of advantage here, but playing in Colorado, playing in front of American fans always gets these guys charged up, coming off of what's a, been a really good Major League Rugby season for most of these players. Uh, so it should be a really exciting game. And I hope we see, and perhaps we do this summer, but obviously in the World Cup next year, is the impact of Major League Rugby on USA Rugby. And can we, the Eagles, get out of pool play for the first time? Can we win that match, right, that gets us out? We hope that we can quantify the success of Major League Rugby, and it's been a success, but on that level next summer. Because if we have Major League Rugby, but we don't get better, um, that's one of the aims of Major League Rugby, is to improve the international uh, squad, and uh, hopefully we can see that as soon as, uh, you know, the match against Chile and then next year. Well, and I think it's pretty apparent to anyone, and it's one of the biggest things that international players react to when they come over to America, is uh, the physicality, speed, and athleticism of American players. And now we've seen in the fifth year of Major League Rugby, the quality of rugby has really just excelled. There's no easy games, as we saw, to close out the season versus Dallas, who were a winless team and still put on 50 minutes worth of tough fight against the Utah Warriors, you know? So if we look ahead at what that means as far as the development of the league and making a difference internationally, that's a whole other story to be told because now there's rumors about changes in super rugby and changes in the, the nation's cups and changes in, uh, in Europe as far as who's involved in what competitions. So it's a situation constantly in flux over the next 10 years. That's going to change as well. I think it only bodes well for American rugby. We keep making strides and beating the teams that we're supposed to beat. If we can get a big win versus Chile and qualify 
for this World Cup. That'll be a big feather in the cap for these Eagles who will want to get together again in camp and spend more time together. These are guys that have known each other and played together for years. That bar will continue to rise as they get that international experience and then bring that back to their respective clubs in Major League Rugby. And then those clubs run it all the way down through their pathway system, specifically for these Utah Warriors who have incredible depth. And you see that by Tomasi Tonga and Lance both getting the call up for the uh, Falcons. That's exactly right. So Eagles, uh, for those who don't know, Eagles is the, uh, you know, the A squad, kind of the B squad there. Lance Williams, Tomasi Tonga, pretty awesome. I know Tomasi has been involved with USA Rugby for a bit in his youth. Lance has wanted to rep Manu Samoa or the U.S. So it's cool that he got it called into the Falcons camp and Lance had a tremendous season. He absolutely deserves to be in the mix as one of the veterans of the league. And then Tomasi Tonga, rising star uh, in his rookie season. I think one of the big things for Lance that he showed this year was his versatility, playing a lot of time at eight man and really playing well as what is an undersized eight man. He's so athletic and quick in that open side flanker position, which is really where he's at home at the international level. He could even play at the six on the blind side and give you a lot more speed and aggression as kind of that enforcer role at the six. And then for Tomasi, you want to talk about a guy that just has an absolutely incredibly high ceiling for what he's capable of. We saw it, we know it, and we've seen it coming for a long time as we watched him through the selects and now through the MLR season. But when this guy gets into that camp and now he's playing alongside guys like Paul Lasica and he's getting all the minutes that he's getting at center, this kid has an incredible future for not just the Warriors and for the Eagles, but for his own personal career that could take him all over the world. He's the pathway poster boy. You know, the kid from Harriman who made the professional ranks in his hometown, which was super cool. So best luck to those guys. I know the Eagles are scrimmaging the Falcons this weekend. So uh, that's not televised or anything, but man, that would be fun to watch. So that's in Houston. So best of luck to uh, those guys as they get ready for first July 1st against the French Barbarians with the Eagles. Then the big one, July 16th in Glendale. So best of luck to all four of those guys. Be super keen to watch all of the um, USA Rugby socials. I'm sure we'll get some clips of tri-scoring opportunities. They're always really good about sharing that out from those inter-squad scrimmages like that. So it'll be super cool. Uh, you know, we're not done with rugby yet here in Utah either, folks. All right. We've got something really special coming up, and this is another generation of professional rugby and it's showcased right here in Utah with the collegiate rugby shield. Okay. Watch a collection of college all-stars get to take the field at 5 PM mountain time, July 2nd at Zions bank stadium, major league rugby draft is on the way. And this is a chance for these players from all over the country to come and showcase their skills and abilities. It's going to be an incredible day of rugby with some of the best players coming out of college and looking to make their mark in Major League Rugby. Go to CollegiateRugbyShield.com and get all the information and get your tickets. That's CollegiateRugbyShield.com. If you follow uh, Collegiate Rugby Shield on socials, you can see who's been invited. Some huge names. It's going to be a great time July 2nd. It's going to be awesome. Okay, we have the MLR final, the grand final, Seattle versus New York, a coastal battle uh, Western Conference Finals, Seattle went to Houston, dominated 46-27. And then New York upset New England on the road. So the road teams both get wins, 24-16. New England had barely lost this year. They uh, lose the final, and New York comes flying in, uh, and they will host the Seawolves as the Seawolves go for a third title in four years here. What do you think of the matchup, and who do you have? Yeah, I think it's no surprise Seattle there. Uh, they were the quality side after the disqualifications from some controversial teams and management. But 
they went into Houston, got the job done. They're playing in familiar territory and playing really good physical rugby right now. In the East, though, that game, not without its controversy again with, you know, some referee decisions that were made there that uh, seemingly affected the outcome of that match with yellow cards and no calls in that game. You know, New England was the absolute class of the East, but not able to get it done in the playoffs. It took a couple of, you know, all-black ringers for that New York squad with the addition of uh, <laughs> Nehemiah Milner-Scudder and uh, Naholo to be able to really elevate that team to where it is now. Good for Rugby New Jersey. They're getting a home final. It's going to be in a gorgeous stadium, playing where the New York Red Bulls do. So it's going to be a fantastic venue. Let's hope the East Coast shows up and fills that place out for what I think is going to be a very exciting and uh, very entertaining rugby game. I'm going to pick... Seattle by seven in that match. I think the physicality of that forward pack is too much for New York to hang on to. I'll go with New York just to be contrary. So we'll, uh, you would. we'll connect in two weeks. To see on that. <laughs> You're totally right, though. They signed small blacks super late in the season. And uh, you know what? After about a month, they kicked in. They're making an impact. And it's tough as a Kiwi to pick against a couple of guys, especially somebody like, you know, Milner Scudder and Naholo, who has all the try scoring ability and playmaking ability in the world on the outside. I just think there's too many big physical parts in Seattle that New York may or may not have an answer to. I'm going to give the edge to Seattle. And how about Seattle just ready for the moment? Because let's be honest, you can't control a ton of things in life. You just got to be ready for that moment. And uh, boom, boom, LA and Austin disqualified and look at Seattle. Just ready to rock. Beat San Diego. Beats Houston. Going for a third title. Can you imagine? Seattle wins a third title in four years. That'd be well, I think that, that speaks to the quality and depth of these teams, especially in the West in MLR, you know, that these teams, their third, fourth, fifth place are now contending for titles with all of the things that have happened and all the news that we're very well aware of, well aware of you know, with the teams being disqualified. So, I think to their credit, they've stepped up and shown, hey, it's anybody's game, and you got to show up and put your boots on for 80 minutes and play top-quality rugby. They were ready to do that more than anybody else has been in this postseason. And it'd be the most improbable title, perhaps, in the future of Major League Rugby as well, because it's like you can't anticipate that two teams are going to be disqualified and that you get in. Um, I mean, if San Diego had won it, it would have been the most improbable because they were like two They were on the outside looking in. Yeah. And Seattle was on the outside, gets eliminated against Houston, then they go beat Houston, um, which is just incredible. So MLR final coming up uh, this weekend, so uh, should be a fun one, Seattle and New York. Okay, 2022 is over, but there's still some, uh, you know, dust settling, if you will. Let's take a look at some notable numbers and see what we sort of gather from these from this past season. So five wins, 11 losses, but the five wins, it's actually the second most in the history of the Warriors. Uh, we, we're not super proud of that number per se, but it sort of speaks to a couple of seasons have been a struggle. The first one, obviously were fewer game was fewer games, but second most, obviously 10 last year uh, was that so we talked about this one a lot, seven losses by seven or fewer. To me, that defines the season Banksy is if in three other games, you can flip that to wins and you're three and four in those seven that you're, you may have, you may have made the playoffs. Like the worst. And we're talking, you're talking, we, we mentioned, you know, it's it's six or seven games by seven points or fewer. I think three of those were by three or less. Mm. So you're talking about just being able to score a try and win. And these Warriors being in a position in the final three, four, five minutes of those matches to be able to make those plays and to be in a position to get those wins and just 
being unlucky, being a little bit careless with the ball, losing that mental focus for just a split second. And really, if we look back at it now with hindsight, may have cost them a chance to play in the playoffs in this season, the way things have shaken out. Absolutely. Okay, looking. So uh, San Diego lose by two. Seattle lose by three. Those are the first two weeks. That was really tough to come out of the gate like that. Then you lose to Toronto at home by three. You lose to Old Glory DC by one. Four games by three or less. That's that is a tough pill to swallow, man. Um, that shows you how close this team was. And another stat along those lines: notable numbers. Still had a plus twenty nine point margin despite being five and eleven. Okay, so you look at Major League Baseball. Just look at run differential. In this case, point margin or differential. Teams that are really good are real high in that. Teams that are, uh, you know, in the positive, good teams. But teams in the negative, no way you make the playoffs. This team was 5-11 and 11 despite that. Now, obviously, a 47-point win against Dallas helps early in the season. But I'm telling you, that number tells us they were close. Jerem Jordan playing a little money ball. Cast the man as Brad Pitt right now in the movie about your life, all right? Let's go. I love the analysis of that breakdown, you know, and it really is, you know. When you talk about, you know, it's it's a cliche, right? In order to win in sports, you got to score more points than the other guy when the full-time whistle blows. But when you protract that out against a season, it really is telling about how well or how poorly you played. And to, to still come away with more points scored than given up over the course of a season, in a season where you were way fewer than 500 games won, is pretty incredible. And, and the fact that, uh, to me, it, it, and I make this analogy of football, I think it applies here in rugby, if you get beat by three scores, that's a blowout to me. Three scores. You got down there, okay? There were only three games where Utah Warriors lost by three scores or more, meaning 15 plus. And in rugby, you can't, like, go for three on the conversion, if you will, like in football. So in football, I say 17 plus. In rugby, it'd be 15 plus. Only three games. Like, this team was there despite all the issues, despite the injuries, despite the inability to finish in uh, the try zone in, in certain moments. Like, Kind of frustrating, obviously, but this team's uh, not far away from uh, from making it. Okay, you look at this too. The the 69-point performance, 47-point win against Dallas, second most in MLR history. At the time, that was the most. That was an incredible game. I mean, that's one of the great games, great showings in Utah Warriors history. We saw it. And we've seen some incredible games from this club over the years when you look at some of the shootouts that we've been in and some of the high-scoring matches to put on that clinical performance on offense and defense was pretty special to watch at home in front of Dub Nation. And when you look at all the pieces that this team has intact right now, as we look forward to the 2023 season, it's up to this front office now to give these guys the missing pieces they need to be spectacular, to be where we hope and expect them to be next year, which is making a playoff push for that Major League Championship shield. Okay, top wins. Listen, it wasn't like the Warriors just beat up on the bottom of the league. They beat Austin. They beat Atlanta and LA. These are all three teams that would have made the playoffs if they weren't disqualified. Atlanta made it. I mean, those are three amazing wins. We got two of those at home. You know, and I think some of that you can chalk up to the consistency and the kind of off the field um, issues that this team dealt with, which we're very well aware of with the dismissal of a head coach and, and Sean Davies and um and Robbie Abel being able to step in and do what they did to manage this there was a lot of things that distracted this team but to be able to play up 
to the competition that they did and then maintain a level of professionalism against some of those mid-tier teams was pretty incredible from a mental standpoint, despite all of the challenges that this squad faced. Joe Mano, incredible. Seven tries in seven games coming off an ACL. I mean, he doesn't play until the back half of the season, Banksy, when it was it was almost over. But still, he's getting out there and he's doing work, man. He was incredible. We had to talk about the top try scorers in the league are only scoring 10, 11 tries in a season. You know, the fact that Joe Mano's hung seven in half the amount of time, he could very well be the league's leading try scorer next year with a healthy full season behind him. And what if he had played in the first Dallas game? Mika Kruse had a hat trick. Like Danny Christian had a hat trick. At a, what if Joe Mano gets a couple more? And in like seven games, he has 10? Like what? Speaking of seven, um, of the top seven crowds in Major League Rugby, six from your Utah Warriors. That means six of the eight home games were in the top seven in the league. That's right. That's why we always say the Utah Warriors and Dub Nation are the best fans in Major League Rugby because you show up week in and week out wearing the red and black to cheer these boys on. You're rugby smart. You're passionate. And we cannot say thank you enough to Dub Nation for showing up every single week for this team. I love walking back up to the booth because it's just like everyone's on the same page. Let's go get ready for the game. You know, it's, it's awesome. Okay, top 10 individual performances in the league. Tackles made, Bailey Wilson, fifth in the league. We talked with uh, El Capitan on the last show. Man, he played a lot of minutes, like third most in the league, I think. Um, no, no, fifth most, which we'll get to in a sec. But, yeah, 201 tackles. I mean, the physicality of Bailey is is increasing every year. When you realize this guy hasn't even hit his mid-20s yet, you know, the ability physically when as he continues to develop and, you know, add another few pounds of muscle and as he works through this offseason, as he continues to uh, to manage the recovery over the next few months, and then as his rugby IQ continues to develop, like he's already making some of the best decisions in Major League Rugby. We saw some incredible tackles like the tackle and strip that he took away and ended up running the opposite direction. The tag team tackle with Tomasi, I think it was on that particular tackle in that game. You know, he just makes some incredibly smart plays and he's going to start to make some more, even more physically impressive plays as he continues to develop uh, as a player. Okay. Line breaks. Caleb McInerney was fourth with eight. I didn't realize he was that high. That was awesome. And then uh, turnovers one, uh, you had uh, Lance Williams uh, and Cliven Lopeser did a nice job as well, both with eight. Cliven Lopeser was great in the minutes that he played, but really the shining star there has got to be Lance and his development as a uh, back row forward, whether he's playing at the seven or whether he was playing at the eight this year. You know, he consistently works himself into positions to make plays for this team and win turnovers. And he did that at the breakdown. Most of that work was specifically in the counter ruck and in the jackal. And it was fantastic to see not only his physical ability continue to maintain that elite performance but to see now his rugby iq to develop into a position where he is lethal from any point on the pitch okay attacking breakdown arrivals defending breakdown arrivals number two in the entire league yuri van vuren he's been such a weapon in the breakdown the last couple of years you want to talk about a guy that's causing headaches for opposing teams and i think that's one of the reasons that you see the stats of bailey wilson and lance williams be what they are is yuri's work whether he was playing in the second row, which he did a lot of minutes this year, or playing in the number eight position, he is just a nightmare for oppositions that you always have to know where Yuri is because he's either going to arrive at a breakdown and slow your ball down and mess with your possession, 
or he's going to clean you out and put you on your ears, and you want to know where a guy like that's going to be. He's so physical. It's crazy. Okay, and then minutes played. Bailey Wilson, fifth, and then just 16 minutes shy of that, Caleb Mockney. Caleb Mockney was in there a lot. He was a consistent contributor in this team all year. And boy, did we need both of those guys, you know, Cap leading from the front like he always does and putting in those minutes, you know, rarely subbed out of a match, went the full 80 in almost every match this year. And then Caleb really took most of those minutes that he played and developed into one of the better 10s in the league. You know, remember, this is a guy that plays fullback for most of his career and as he did coming up in New Zealand. And so playing a little bit of out of position as a fly half, but really came into his own as the chemistry developed around him and his playmaking ability started to shine. So Bailey Wilson missed five whole minutes of the entire season. That's all he that's all he didn't play. And then Kayla Makini only was subbed out for 21. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Pretty incredible when you look wow. at the minutes that those guys wow. have spent on the field and the durability and the level that they were able to maintain through those minutes. It's pretty special to have two guys like that on the list. Okay, ideally next year, like we had last year, you have someone who's a try scorer in the top 10. Last year, it was Sama Malolo who actually led the league. He was incredible at, at Hooker. Mikey Teo was in double digits as well, right? The hope is that we can get back to that. Joe Mana, like we talked about, probably would have been in there had he played a full regular season. In fact, it's pretty safe to say he would have been um, top 10 in that. Also, it'd be nice to find a consistent kicker. The kicker was among three guys. It became Calvin Whiting at the end of the year. It was Caleb Mockney. Uh, it was Cliven Lobser for a lot of the year. Injuries sort of uh, affected that, right? So that's at least my hope. Are there any other uh, stats where the Warriors need a guy in the top 10 to really be successful? You know, I think what the Warriors have as a foundation with these key players that are already in these top 10 factors is pretty significant. When you're talking about adding a piece or two, you know, maybe a covering fullback who can carry the duties all the way throughout the year. To Cliven Lobster's credit, he was a top five guy through the entire first half of the season when he had the boot at his True. foot in converting those points. And then obviously injuries rolled into that. So, you know, you kind of have to put an asterisk for a lot of these guys on these seasons, which is why you can't calculate these factors in a money ball way for rugby. It's an 18 week season and it's a very physical game. So the fact that we've got guys like Caleb Mockney who played the minutes that they did mustered the points that they did in some of these situations, remembering that, you know, Danny Christensen scoring a hat trick, was a big part of that leadership that Mika Cruze scoring a hat trick was a big part of that leadership that comes from the direction of uh, Caleb Mockney at 10. So his communication and his direction plays a big role in all that playmaking ability. So would you like to see somebody higher on their list? Absolutely. We'd love, I mean, we've missed a couple of pretty fantastic boots that we've had on this roster before, but the kicking by committee didn't necessarily do the Utah Warriors wrong with the skills and abilities of guys like Calvin Whiting, who was able to step up at the end of the year. And I think that even helped Calvin kind of refine some of his form because he struggled a little bit in the early season. Yeah. So to, to have that kicking and that repetition, that familiar place to kind of go back to, to fall back to his basics, I think really helped uh, in the long run. Okay, so those are some of the notable numbers from 2022 as we uh, hopefully look ahead to more success in 2023. All right, and uh, finally, uh, congratulations to Paul Mullen, who was nominated for the 2022 Callaway Award given to MLR's Community Impact Award nominees. Uh, he's done great stuff in the community. 
been incredible for Paulie, and you know he won a similar award with this team. So he's a really stand-up guy in the community. And I think if you talk to any of the Dub Nation members that have showed up to a game, they've probably got a Paul Mullen story from the kids' camps to the workshops to the selects players to the pathway. Paul's involved in all of it, and he's a great guy to have on our franchise. Two reminders, uh, go renew your season tickets for 2023 as well. You can do that, that on warriorsrugby.com. And go follow the Utah Warriors on social media and vote on the fan award nominees. you got game of the year, moment of the year, try of the year, community man of the year, rookie of the year, defense player of the year, player of the year. We will announce the winners of these awards as voted by you, the fans, coming up later on. Well, that'll do it for us. Like and share this episode of Dub Nation. Follow the Utah Warriors on social media. For Billy, the producer, and Banksy, I am Jeremy Jordan. We'll see you in about two weeks from now. Go Warriors.